Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So even though I live in Massachusetts, I still follow plenty of Minnesota Twins sports outlets. And uh, Joe Maurer, 2,000 hits all over, everywhere. How was it in Minnesota? Everybody was like, oh, yeah, great. <laughs> I, I understand. You know, my, I actually had a really cool reaction to it at first. And then today I just randomly looked it up. There's only nine active guys with more hits than that pretty impressive how many hit he hits he has he's been around a while and he's had a high batting average and he has done absolutely nothing with those hits um so i looked up a couple other milestones actually i was interested about this and just thinking are there other milestones for this year um, i'm not saying this is the reason that i picked him up this yesterday but Pujols, three thousand hits coming down the pike love it he's at 2988 as of the time of this recording Joey Votto, one more walk to 1,000 career walks. <laughs> that man walks around, doesn't it, he? He's, so he's the, the third active right now. Pujols and Cabrera are ahead of him. Joe Maurer is actually number four. He knows how to draw, draw a walk. The active stolen base leader is Jose Reyes. I would not have guessed that. If you had given me 20 guesses, I wouldn't have guessed And I that. forgot what my bonus was here. Do you know who he's going to pass on the all-time list next? With 514. Is it like A-Rod? No, it's not A-Rod. You're close. You're, you're thinking in the right path. Barry Bonds. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They, uh, they're somewhat kindred spirits, if you will. It's <laughs> not Jose Reyes and uh, Barry Bonds. Well, <laughs> can I Can I complain for a second? Get us on a soapbox about the MLB TV ads? You absolutely may. What is going on? I really liked having just like the Amazon logo or the MLB logo and then just like silence between half, uh, half innings and innings. It's very peaceful. I agree. This, I really do like the silence. The silence is so nice. Because what it, I really like is when it comes back and the sound comes oh, back. Oh, you get just the just crowd like, for a second? You, yeah, you either get like a little bit of the crowd or it just comes right in on the announcer just saying something. It's just, it's so baseball-y to me. And here we are at the top <laughs> of the fourth and John Lester is looking a little bit peckish. One last programming note, Twins and Indians in Puerto Rico. What do you think about this? <laughs> I think it must be like so screwy for them. Like it's, there was a blizzard here in the Twin Cities. There was 16 inches of snow over the weekend. And they're going to Puerto Rico? I think, I mean, they should have just they should have just shipped them and the White Sox there on Thursday. Like, oh, well. You know what? Might as well make one of those games up right now. The commentary is that the, like, the local, or a lot of Twins people are just incensed about this. Because it unbalances the, the season series. 
Oh, the one against... Um, oh, no. Oh, you mean because he's Puerto Rico. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's crazy. From fantasy note, though, uh, three games canceled. The Twins, White Sox. Do these makeup games matter? I see that the twin the Twins just added their reschedule. Is there? Do you have any interest in not just the Twins, but all the other teams that got rescheduled looking and seeing when when players are going to have doubleheaders, or do you not care? You should probably put a note in for yourself that there are going to be a lot of doubleheaders for these players. Yeah, because they're going to have I'm, three extra games in the middle of the summer. Uh, all right, so this week on the pod, it's all about saves and all about relief pitchers in general. I'm going to kick it off by asking, the, asking, what do we do when a team doesn't get saves? Try and put some numbers to the ideas here. Small number statistics, again, a little bit larger than the stolen bases. And then in the second half, Eric's going to introduce a new fledgling product that the Fantasy Tools are working on, the Relief Report. So here we go. Let's start with basic stat numbers on saves. All right. I have a question for you. How many saves per team during a year on average? I mean, there's got to be like on average about 28. Ooh, uh, higher. Higher. 32. Higher. 36. Uh, getting warmer. Really? 39. 39. Wow. That is a lot more. And that's. And so what's the average for a closer? Mm, Has got to be question. closer to 28. And that's probably what my the old noggin is messing up. Uh, it turns out over the course of over the course of a basic year, it's like 80 some guys record a save or more. Wow. Which I was surprised by. I think that's I think that tells us that we might be overlooking vulture saves more than we think. Yeah, vulture, I mean Tolbert was useful in fantasy football for years, so <laughs> why, why, why can't we get these vulture saves in there? It turns out that it's much harder to predict that than, than I thought. In the sense that if there are numbers to help you predict that, I can't find them. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you in a couple of minutes about um, what <laughs> if you can think of any techniques. You mean in the preseason, the best way to predict the one the guys that are going to be higher than thirty? I'm actually thirty saves. I'm actually worried about the in season guys. How do you predict in season um, ahead of managers say announcing who it's going to be, who's going to get saves? And I see that you've got a scatter here. Yeah, so let's just build a scatter plot of strikeouts to walks for all pitchers. Um, as the grayscale here, and then I color-coded all the guys that got a save or more in red. You can see the distributions are different, that the the guys that are that get saves are definitely on the low end or the high end of the strikeouts to walks ratio. Yeah. Yeah, though there are some outliers. There's some really funny outliers in there. I mean, the most the most obvious outlier, which was uh, somebody who had 120 Ks and 77 walks, was Tyler Chatwood, who actually record recorded a, a save last year. Yeah, and those are yeah. It's too bad that we can't get like a third coloration. Obviously, the guys that you're interested in are the guys that are way outliers in the uh, that have so few walks to so many strikeouts. Uh, any guesses off the top of your head who these guys are? <laughs> I would say Kenley Jansen would be one of those. Uh-huh. 
109 to 7 last year. 109 Ks I to know, 7 so blocks. Good. That's nuts. Craig Kimbrell is down there, but not quite as much because he walks plenty of guys. Kimbrell actually last year actually was even better was even better than you you might have thought. Actually, he was 126 to 14. That's not too bad. No. Craig Kimbrell For someone actually, who doesn't hit the his strike percentage has got to be so bad. <laughs> Craig Kimbrell was better, even better last year than you thought. How about these two surprises though? Roberto Asuna, 83 to 9. Yep. I mean, that's a good one. I I really like Roberto Asuna. What about Sean Doolittle last year? 62 to 10 ratio. Who is on the Fantasy Tools, um, his flatulence's team? I know, Sean I know. Sean Doolittle, look at that. I apparently should have, uh, I should have done this before. Um, how about, <laughs> how about this? How about this as a closer, a closer archetype who's not getting it? Use Meryl Pettit. Mm. 101 to 18 last year. Oh, right. Cause he was on the, um, Angels last year. That was a, a heck of a situation yeah who's on san francisco before that you know maybe maybe you're on to something oakland is always a mess in the bullpen Ugh, they really are no walk so far in 11 innings i know he's he's doing okay other guys that were surprising you know who's actually not too bad on this ratio mark melanson yeah well it's yeah as soon as he he's playing again <laughs> he, he may yet pitch um brad hand who i know that you you have talked my ear off about in the past one of my favorites <laughs> here <laughs> um what do you what do you think about this ratio 79 to 21 archie bradley is he actually going to be a closer yes he he is before the end of his career this year not so sure because bradley brad boxberger is is looking pretty decent he really is. Um, another guy that's not quite as not quite as the the Pettit outlier, um, Anthony Swarzak. Yep, Anthony Swarzak. Ninety one to twenty two last year. So I think this was more of a lesson to me uh, that that it's harder to identify these guys. And but if I had to sit on people, this is how I would select to sit on people. I would look at this ratio. And I would hope that a, a contending team picked them up at some point to get one of their 43 saves or something. <laughs> or 30, 39 right. saves in the, that, that people average over the course of the year. Man, 39, that's awesome. I have a question for you. Are we going to care about holds? <sighs> <laughs> Is this sort of the like doubles age into home runs? I was actually coming at it more from a should we be a completist fantasy podcast where we recognize that many leagues have holds. <laughs> well, sure, fine. In that case, yeah, let's talk about holds. What have you found? <laughs> sure, brief finding. Holds are harder to find than saves, which is saying something. <laughs> right, and that's that's what I had <laughs> that's what I had assumed. <laughs> Um, so while casting about for axes, I was, I just tried this thing innings versus the number of saves that a player accumulated another scatter plot. Just trying to look at this. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's really this insane closer archetype of how many innings they throw. Like, yeah, it's, it's just stuck between 50 and 100. I don't understand why that's such a pillar of, of stat there. There must be, I mean, uh, you can only play every third day. Is that what the what the wisdom in the, the conventional wisdom? I mean, I think that's I think well that that's sort of 
but that doesn't work with the number of saves, right? So even if the average team gets 39 saves, you would expect... I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I don't have an answer for why this distribution is so strongly peaked around 60 innings. 60 innings. 60 innings gets you to 50-ish save plus holds in a season. I, yeah. I mean, I, I guess, but then the, the tail for holds is much larger, so that's what makes it so hard to find mm-hmm. is that there are guys that are getting holds that have that pitched less than 10 innings all season. <laughs> you know, guys that have a similar number of holds to innings pitched, um, which is not true for closers by and large. They are really strongly peaked in innings and not, and the saves holds is a, uh, or the saves is a full distribution. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm not sure what to make of this. It, it might be, I mean, I, I could imagine a model that tries to suss out from different players usage, the way that managers are using them ahead of them being named closers that tries to identify sort of who's going to be named a closer, but that might be too fancy. I don't know. Or machine learning will, will solve it for us. I think we have to go the machine learning route. Artificial neural network, man. I, I think that this is a problem that's primed for machine learning because you there's there's interesting features in the data, but we can't figure yep. out what they mean. No. And we're just hoping a computer could figure it out. That said, this is one of those things where I worry that the scouts are just going to be like, there's nothing you can do other than listen to what managers say. And I think that that's what ends up... It, th- you know, you can have all of the insight in the world on a pitcher, and then you just have to wait for the the manager to actually make the call. Yep, but I guess in part, I'm just hoping that we can identify the guys that fit the archetype regardless and hope that they sort of back into save somehow. Absolutely. The fantasy aspect here, this is just all wrap on this, is that it's so economy-driven <laughs> that I think that you you just have to pay up when you want the closer. I think that it's so hard to get advance notice or get notice even a day before anybody else in your league that you're kind of stuck. Everyone knows at the same time um, it's all a matter of solving your league's economy or your league's ad drops to get them. Oh, absolutely. And in TGFBI, I just totally blew the ad drop period because I, I miss misunderstood the economy badly yep these things happen so i think i think some point later in the season we'll do a little bit more of an economic study um but <laughs> should I, yeah we should grab an economist oh that. we should grab an economist for that sounds good if only we knew some <laughs> but it's true i mean you pony up when a when a closing guy when a closing gig changes hands you're going to have to pay up for it. And you just have to make sure that you're investing in a guy who has the peripherals that um, that look like a closer. Eric and I buried the lead a little bit. It turns out we're going head-to-head in fantasy this week. Here's a moment where we both got a notification about the score on our phone. Did you just get the alert, too? <laughs> yep. What was, the, <laughs> what was the alert? Uh-oh, did you tell <laughs> team home run? I don't know what happened. Um, oh, you son of a bitch. How did that who, flip? I don't know what happened. I'm not going to look yet. Um, 
You gotta win from Julio. 9Ks. You My boy. I know. He hates you. The prodigal son. <laughs> prodigal son. Sorry. Where were we? Um. In season zero, I spent some time developing a tool that would send an email with, uh, with a little bit of fantasy data attached. I felt pretty awesome at the time uh, because the fantasy tools email address sent its first hello world email. That's like pretty darn cool. Sending, sending email from, from code. Well, that got um, archived, (laughs) (laughs) mothballed as it were, um, probably somewhere next to the Ark of the Covenant. The pocket veto. And two years later, Two years later, I thought it was time to do it again. Mostly, this was inspired by midweek. I was emailing you, Mike, about scheduling tasks. Because <laughs> we're trying to collect this ownership data for a longitudinal study, right? And it's, it's something then that you have to run a script every single day. Yeah. Which is cool. It's better than having to go to a website and download it and then like process it. But still, you have to remember to run a script every day. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Windows has something called Task Scheduler. Uh, I know that you're not a Windows user anymore, but have you ever used Task Scheduler? I have. I used it back in the day. So Task Scheduler means that you can just put, uh, you can just tell Windows to at a given time every day, every week, every month, something like that. Just, here you go, run a, run this program. And your computer already does that a bunch with, like, on start, you know, start this program, start this program. <laughs> or if you ever felt like you've been pushed updates all the time. Yep, and that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we may as well use that really annoying thing for something useful, huh? Yeah, finally. <laughs> and so I set it up. I set it up to point to a BAT, a batch file, as it were, that then in turn ran the code. And then now, boom, I'm just accumulating ownership data like crazy. <laughs> it reminded me being able to schedule this task that I, I really wanted to in season zero, figure out how to have Python scheduled to send an email with like a closer report. And so I started putting that together. Nice and quick script that I'm going to figure out how to actually post online for mm. people to see. Right, so this uh, this script, what this script does is it just, um, it goes to Fantasy Pros. As of right now, this is going to be an agile project management approach. Uh, <clears throat> so right now, all that this the script does is it goes to Fantasy Pros, downloads data from the last seven days, and um, it figures out the save opportunities in those seven days oh. and queries out those queries out those relief pictures. So you just have right there, boom. I think this week it's like 42 players who had save opportunities That's over really the last week. So, so is that why you chose fantasy pros? Because they had save opportunities. Yeah. No. Well, save opportunities I had to derive from saves and blown saves. Oh, so that's, interesting. that's most anywhere. Uh-huh. Oh. Right. I see. Okay. Right. No, you're absolutely right. I thought I thought maybe they had a <clears throat> they had a special category. No, I'm just doing it because I've been doing like all almost all my web web scraping recently. It's been just like nice and quick and easy because I've 
I've got it set up. So interesting. <laughs> to, yeah, I mean, I, I, feel this, I feel the same about Fangraphs, yeah. <laughs> I finally understand their URL strings, so I will use them to my advantage. So as of right now, the uh, all that happens is I've, I've got a batch file. I've got the Python script. And what it does is just scheduled to run every... Uh, I think we're going to have this run every um sunday afternoon Ooh. it'll run send an email give you the uh give you this query and then off we go and then as we go it'll get a little bit more elaborate with um perhaps change over time maybe to look at maybe we'll make a pdf use a mail merge word <sighs> mail merge document this guy do some, like crazy stuff yeah send some fake by the news. end of the season oh yeah we, we have big dreams so if anybody wants to be on this mailing list, send me your email addresses and we'll have the you get an email. Right now it's just Michael and myself. Oh, I feel very privileged. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. I think it's interesting to get to just see, as per our discussion at the beginning, to see how many save opportunities are actually out there and how many how many different players are actually getting save opportunities. There are so many. I know. And, and yeah, save opportunities. That's not just saves. It's save opportunities. Like, geez. Marcus Walden? I didn't even realize that he got a save. It's 26 guys have gotten more than one save. What? Yeah. That is insane. That's actually crazy. That's like, that means that 26 guys are actually being used as closers in some way. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's not Brad Ziegler. Let me tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, most teams, what's funny is, uh, I mean, there's not a perfect correlation between good teams and save opportunities. Yes. Right? Because sometimes there are some bad teams that have a lot of save opportunities. The twins. And some good teams that just blow other teams out and never get save opportunities. Interesting stuff. All right, I'm ex- I'm excited for this mailing. I think we'll we'll try and tack some analysis on there. Maybe come up with some of our own metrics. Oh, always. I think tracking the walks to to strikeouts would be interesting. Interesting first order thing to do. Yep. And then a um, batter's faced. I think is is a really good one. Batter's too. faced. I think is, you're right there. Is interesting. All right, you about ready to wrap this sucker up? Yes. Let us go for it. <clears throat> Are you gonna start this? Or you want me to? That was a close game for the seas yesterday. That was a close game for the wolves yesterday. Yeah, it was. They just—you guys almost stole uh, one. They diverged. Yeah, um, a lot of commentary out there saying that that was the type of game that the wolves need, just like sloppy, <laughs> just like <laughs> sloppy and kind of bad. And uh, but for the Celtics. That's pretty much exactly the kind of game they need while they're just trying to hold on with their injury ravaged team. Oh my gosh. They're just like, they're just hoping for a life preserver to be thrown in the water next to them. But Milwaukee is so young that I think that they probably scared him pretty bad in game one. That was, oh my God. I, I mean, if they had lost that game, it, this would have been a set, this would be a seven game uh-huh. series, kind of like last year in Chicago. Yes. But the fact that they won, like, 
I would not be surprised if the Celtics ended up sweeping them in four really close games. I totally agree. I think, I mean, a lot of it, of course, hinges on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who are really young, but they're surrounded by actual pedigree and they have (laughs) Brad Stevens, who actually like knows what he's doing. Yeah. They have a good coach. They have Horford. Yeah. And the, the Bucks just don't have that. No. They, they've got nothing. Like if, there, if ever there was a mismatch in like the, the team culture and the like we've been there before, <laughs> it's this matchup. Even with young guys on the Celtics. I know, and that goes to I think Bill Simmons was like, why don't they just why don't they just hire someone, give a million dollars to be like a real coach for, yeah, for it the doesn't rest of the year make instead of this any sense. stuff? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You're not telling. I can't. I I kind of find it hard to believe that Jason Kidd would be worse in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck, Michael? You want to meet up in Milwaukee for uh, for Game Four? Yeah. You know, could you can you do a like a Game Three, Game Four bounce back to the Twin Cities to see some games too? Oh, I geez, that would be insane, wouldn't that? <laughs> Saturday night in the Target Center, and then um, Sunday afternoon, wherever the heck the Bucks play their games. We've been, we've been, we've in, been the, in the... Yeah, <laughs> I have a picture of you in there, on the floor. We have been in the men's <laughs> locker room. <laughs> Multiple you, men's locker you know, rooms you in were, that you're arena. You're not wrong. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta tell people that, but... But based on the fact that the Wolves didn't even sell out the the do-or-die last game of the season, I think tickets are going to be okay for them. I think that about brings us to the review session. IJ3. You ready for this? IJ3. The last crusade. The last Indiana Jones movie. (laughs) The last Indiana Jones movie before they do two more. I mean, this really is like the like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in the sense that it's going to be a five <laughs> five movie trilogy, huh? Yeah, it's going to be an inaptly named trilogy. Um, for I love the things that you highlighted so far. So yeah, we're totally off of our original like theme of 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 how we're going to talk about these movie. But I had three things that I wanted to talk about today. Number one, start of the movie. Moab. Yep. How did they like? <laughs> actually, I was watching it and like, okay, arches, 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 and then like, there's a train going through arches. <laughs> it's like a circus mm, train. A no, circus I, train going through arches <laughs> with no people. On yeah, it. I know. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, there would be so many carnies who would have gotten up on those trains and kicked those people I, off. I don't understand. How did they get permission to shoot in arches like that? I don't... I have no idea what George Lucas did, but it was not kosher. I mean, how many people crawled around looking for the cave under those arches after that? I think every single year <laughs> someone does. <laughs> yeah. And gets kicked out of the park for life. I mean, I'm going, know. yeah. <laughs> No, I, I, it's, it's great. Yeah. And that's, uh, that brought me to one of the other things I said, the faulty geography of it. And, but then like, take your mind out of that for a second. Okay. So he's within a, a, 
like short train ride from Moab. What the heck is a medievalist doing in East Central Utah? <laughs> Are we sure that Indiana Jones is not a Mormon? Oh my God. You just blew my mind. Maybe he is. I mean, it's pretty weird. I would say Henry Jones. There's a good chance that a Henry Jones is a Mormon. Yep. Is okay. This is this is a good debate. This is a great debate to have. Why is this not in like the Mormon literature? <laughs> and other famous Mormons? Henry Jones. Henry Jones. Which one? We don't know. <laughs> yeah, they can they can sow some confusion. This is great. Okay, and then the other thing that I want to talk about. I I felt like this was being beaten over my head during the movie, but the historiography of the movie is just is like great to think about. Like what in the eighties like people were thinking about and caring about mm. and how they were reviewing, reseeing the nineteen thirties uh, and forties. I don't know how to get into it without uh, without getting too political, but um like the book burning scene and like the way that I mean they're searching for the holy grail. In part they right. I in part they're a little bit hamstrung by the fact that they chose to set this in nineteen thirty nine, right? Like you're just like, well, okay, what what do we do? Like Indiana Jones is built in built in that era. Yeah. So there's not much else you could do. Um, but you're right that the themes are so interesting. The thing, cause they, they certainly could have highlighted something different than the book burning scene is very, um, very interesting. Very important that they, that they made that. Yeah. That, and they, they talk about it as well. I mean, that's right. There's, it's a big part of the, um, of the movie. But actually, that scene, in a more lighthearted sense, is the one that I wanted to the one that I wanted to highlight too. Because every time I see somebody play Hitler in a movie, I'm always just like, "Man, what a role!" <laughs> like, like you, yeah, you, my friend, what an interesting casting. It turns out, okay, <laughs> the guy who was in it uh, has played played Michael Sheard, played Hitler multiple times in other movies as well. Oh jeez! Like yeah, once you do it, you kind of typecast. Okay, but are you ready for this? Does he look familiar to you at no. all? <laughs> He's Admiral Ozel. Admiral Ozel. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're right. Yes, Admiral Ozel, who has a has an interesting part to play in episode five, uh, mostly the one where he dies, but he. <laughs> He is part of the Empire. Like, how do you feel if your cast is, like, a main admiral in the Empire, and then your follow-up role is Hitler? (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine George Lucas just being like, hey, you know, you really killed it in Empire Strikes Back. And, you know, I've just been thinking about you. I've got this part for you. Um, You want to come in and read for it? You're probably not going to have to say too much, but... Um, work on your hand gestures a little bit. <laughs> so he, of course, is, is killed on screen by by the, the long-distance force grip. 
which is always such an interesting part. You failed me for the last time. <laughs> we did just tease some Star Wars, but we're not ready for Empire. That's too good. We can't do it yet. I'm not, I'm not in a mental place to watch Empire. I am, however, in a place to fight hard next week with episode one. I want to watch The Phantom Menace. Let's get some pod racing. Let's get some pod racing. Let's get some pod racing I, in here. Look, you have to say at least two positive things before you can say a negative next week. Can we agree on that? Uh, what if you never want to say any negatives? All right. Uh, okay i think uh time for a little housekeeping be sure to subscribe to us on itunes and follow us on twitter fantasy tools mind the z thank you mild manner for letting us use your tunes be sure to follow them on soundcloud and facebook feel free to email us with questions or comments send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com again mind the z and you know contact us so that we can add you to the the list for the relief report all right, all I've got left is we're select to you, buddy. We're select to you, too.